there, skips and skipperettes from the wild, uncharted regions known only as Internet Land, and welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Today is our second half of our sit-down episode with skippers John Patrick and Joey Gassman. Uh, we kind of chat over all kinds of uh, their time at the jungle, a little bit about what it's like to be a lead, and some deeper concepts about Disneyland park pricing. So we had a great time with these guys. Uh, really quick housekeeping thing. I haven't actually asked this for a while, but if you have a moment, definitely head on over to iTunes and throw on a user review. The more reviews we get over there, the better placement we get, so the more listeners we get. Uh, other than that, if you're a skipper or know a skipper who uh, you might want to appear on Tales from the Jungle Cruise, catch us at our email address, uh, junglecruise, C-R-E-W-S, at gmail.com, or over on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash junglecruise. Folks, we have a great time putting together the show for you, as always, and we appreciate your support. And now, without further ado, let's head back to Skipper's Joey Gassman and John Patrick, the illustrious one, uh, Tales from the Jungle Cruise, Season 3, Episode 2. have a moment of inside laughter um so on the jungle side what was uh we all have our celebrity moments and our interesting people who've come through the ride do you have anyone who made your day or ruined your day or other than management i can't think of anyone who ruined my day yeah yeah the guests were all pretty good i mean well nicholas cage has, has a reputation for being okay? a joke killer yeah yeah i'm all right man uh I, I never had anyone famous heckle me or, or do anything jerky. Most most people that I interact, uh, interacted with were were basically kind and 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 pleasant. Um, who was I, I? can't. I don't know. I never really cared about celebrities, so it, yeah. I, I like to ask. It's something we get asked a lot, so I like to. I mean, I remember a bunch of celebrities coming through, but I don't remember. I mean, anything significant that happened with said? Not to me. Yeah. Yeah, not personally. I think uh, Jason Alexander or Tiki. I don't have a whole lot of big starstruck uh, memories from Jungle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember Hugh Hefner coming by with his entourage. <laughs> I do remember that. That was awesome. That was awesome, but it didn't happen in the boat. So yeah. uh, I remember Scott Nelson's story. I don't know if you'll ever get him on. Um, he had David Spade come on his boat. And uh, he's just like, oh, Jesus, what do I do? How do I pull this off? Do I, do I just do I try to be funny because he's not going to laugh? Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, because that guy's actually do funny. Do I try to be sarcastic, thinking maybe he'll sympathize with me? Or So he said he just went through his normal spiel, and he got uh, out of the whole trip. He got to the Trap Safari, and he made the usual Trap Safari joke, and then he got a, ha, and that was it. And so I'm like, well, I guess for David Spade, that's about the best you could expect, bro. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Spade does not age gracefully. When he got out of that, you know, looking forever like a little, you know, high school kid kind of thing. He switched over. Well, it's like him, <laughs> like him and Dave Foley. There's just, uh, Foley became, like when he was in the celebrity poker stuff, became a bit of a rotund man, and that doesn't work on his face. No, no. So. And he had that weird goatee. Yeah, well, uh, It didn't work for him. No, not at all. Yeah, the celebrity sightings I would hear more about than I would see. I would, we had uh, one, uh, we had one cast member who was, uh, we'll, we'll say she's from Kentucky. She got all excited because she had, uh, she had heard rumor that Eminem was in park. Freaking out. Oh my God, I gotta find out where he's, I gotta go see him. I'm like, okay. And uh, Ryan Seacrest is in the park. Uh, yeah, nice. That was about it. I just couldn't get excited about it. I saw George Lucas once yeah. exiting the, the Thunder, Big Thunder Mountain there, and that was, I mean, I guess we were geeking out over that, and that was kind of cool. But Han well. shot first. <laughs> well, that's, one of, that's one of my favorite Jerry York stories was when Jerry loaded Lucas on Star Tours. Oh, yeah? So, <laughs> that was, that's kind of a, that was a major moment for him, so... 
Yeah, well, that's the perfect place to do it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so this, this actually segues fairly nicely into the news that just came out. and uh, It's still, I think, in the verified rumor stage, but EO is closing next year. And they're putting in a Star Wars... Oh, EO came back? Oh, EO came oh, yeah. back. You didn't know that? No, man, I don't pay attention to that place. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I don't much either, but the <laughs> podcast is fun because they get to hang out with cool people. And uh, But no, no, apparently EO is going to be gone again, and it's going to be a 3D Star Wars movie. So, like, the whole, all of Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland is going to be Star is gonna Wars? Become, Tomorrowland's going to become Star Wars land, but the... Well, that's a reasonable thing to do. The, that's the only thing that'll be cool. Well, the one that I'm having a hard time buying into is um, that they're going to reuse the Rocket Rods track for a, some kind of a racing thing, like a... Oh, God, really? Like a light cycle racing or things like that. Like a pod race? Well, because originally it was... Rocket Rods again. Well, originally it was supposed to be uh, going back to the People Mover for Tron, because they made enough money on those that it actually is, you know getting some traction again unlike thank god the lone ranger um <laughs> yeah, here's a good idea let's have a white dude play an indian well yeah. you know that but you know you're missing that, that that movie not only offended people by him playing in red face uh if you watched it which i did reluctantly uh, it offended um women because there wasn't a strong woman anywhere in the movie uh, it uh, offended asians black people cross-dressers i mean pretty much you offended every single possible side of it and Army Hammer does his best Brendan uh, Fraser impersonation through the whole movie. Like, I was watching the movie going, wait, I, where have I seen this guy before? And I realized that it was Encino Man meets, <laughs> meets Monkey Bone, and that he was basically playing the character like it was Brendan Fraser. Like it was the mummy all over again. Oh. Uh, it was, no, it was the most attractive. I'm glad that it lost enough money that we'll never see a sequel to it. I used to have this theory that, like, Disney made two types of movies. Like just the tax write-offs. Yeah, yeah, tax write-offs <laughs> and absolute blockbusters. And it was just for the sake of having their name out there. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is their movie to be like, okay, investors, time to leave. And then they'll turn around with something profitable. No, you know what I think this was? I think this was their attempt to make John Carter look good. Ooh, because if, 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 we can, if we can take a movie that stinks more than John Carter, then by comparison it will look better. Maybe if Johnny Depp starred as John Connor. Oh, Jesus. It was just such a... Okay, so The Lone Ranger, the biggest issue I had... Have you seen it? No. I, 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 didn't, I didn't put my money to Disney. I went and I... I'm not one of those four people. Yeah, I, paid, <laughs> I paid for Despicable Me, saw it, and then was like, no, you know what? I'll go watch Lone Ranger 2. It, it, um, I'm glad you didn't spend money on that. No, no. I intentionally was not going to support that crap. But the framing mechanism for the movie was was the thing that really was the most painful, the way they framed the story. I don't want to... I don't care about spoiling it. So Johnny Depp is like a 1920s uh, carnival character, Tonto, who tells the story of the 1870s Lone Ranger. It's a horrible, you know, concept behind the mechanic of it. But the... It, it just... It was painful on every level. I'm hoping that it goes away. Um, so is Disney. Yeah, oh my God. It was so bad. But uh, So here's the thing is... Facebook and my friends and all that, I fully admit to using that as a litmus test for which of my friends I don't want to talk to. Because oh, yeah. the people who were out there pressing hard for Lone Ranger being a good movie were the people who I kind of I'm like, you know what, maybe I'm not going to... That's, like that's like, it's like the same test. Anyone who's not interested in eating In-N-Out, I'm just not, you're not yeah. my friend anymore. Oh, God. Oh, Five Guys is so much better. <laughs> Look, <laughs> if it's not In-N-Out, it's mouth trash. That's the end of it. And I'm not going to hear your argument otherwise. You can go back into your little hole and cry alone. Okay, so John, what's? I think what, what I want to know, what I think everyone who knows you will want to know is, what's your In-N-Out order? What's your, what's your, what's your oh, burger style? It's double-double animal style with chopped chilies. All right. Number Joey? One, number one animal style, large Coke. That is it. No fries. No animal fries. Just regular fries? prefer to stay under 200 pounds, so I'll stick with the double-double style, and I cut it there. I've, I've dropped, since I since I left the resort in 08, I've lost 80 pounds. Um, I was 54-inch nice. waist in costuming. I went, you know, I'm going to lose some weight now. That seems like a reasonable so, thing to do. Oh, so you, Jesus, you quit eating at the West Side. I quit eating at West... No, no, no. It was... <laughs> it was, it was a, they closed that place down. Oh, yeah. No, they redid it with a Dick Tracy overlay. Oh, I think it had a Dick Wait, Tracy overlay when we were there. Yeah, it was, okay. yeah, it was, and it was like, what is this? Oh, and then they pulled the Dick Tracy overlay off, and they went with a generic di- like diner kind of. No, yeah. I, I never ran. Okay, West Side was one of those uh, 
It was shorter dis- distance-wise. Yeah. But in between was always better food. So it was always that tough choice between two. Unless it was Monte Cristos. Oh, yeah. 79-cent Monte Cristos. When the word got out of Pirates, it was like, we're going down there and we're clearing them out. Oh, you yeah. bastards. I remember when they had Dole Whip at the in-between. And they had it in a oh. machine where it was Dole Whip on one side, vanilla on the other. And it was the only place you could get a vanilla Dole Whip soft serve twist. Um, you want to oh, talk, those were the days. You want to talk about fun times. Walking through Pirates down the back of the bayou with your stack of Monte Cristos <laughs> in, the, in the to-go boxes. Like, I paid $4 and you paid $85 for the equivalent. <laughs> Do you remember when the West Side Diner's ceiling busted through and oh, like, yeah, maggots, and maggots came, came out? out? Because of the tray, the the, uh, the conveyor belt that carried all the old trays, like all the food that dropped off the trays over the years had rotten and went through the panels and then it was just like a rain shower of maggots. Yeah, it like came uh. down on all the canoe kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh god! Oh. It's a, it's all protein. You need it. Uh, rain, rain shower of maggots. By the way, my favorite Alice Cooper cover band. I don't know if you know that. Um, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I I always was torn on that because it was it was always the short walk you could cut through into the indie queue. Yeah, oh yeah. And go yeah. just go straight and down. But yeah, that's where I went to find out that the that jungle went down. I would go on lunch like yeah, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm the lead. I can leave for five minutes. <laughs> That's when the ride would break down. Three shot. I so, still, to this day, have no idea how you made lead, and I didn't. But I'm not saying that you shouldn't have been. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> but, but, like, Dave Schoenwetter was trying to get me as lead at Pirates, and I didn't even know Pirates. You need to come to Pirates and be lead. That sounds good to me. And then Cindy Lavarini says, what, you can't take him. She didn't even like me. <laughs> Just one so, they, of those, uh, so they made you a lead, so you wouldn't go somewhere else. Yeah, so oh, that, I became a jungle lead, and then uh, that's management. You know, actually, it's funny. I I want to say that in two years, let me roll this back in my head. You may be my first jungle lead. I've had a lot of trainers. Well, I worked very few jungle lead shifts after I learned the boats and pirates. Yeah, I made my preference like I want my weekends off, and I want to work at pirates. Okay, well. Pretty much don't have any jungle lead shifts for you there unless someone calls. Oh, so you were a C or D? Well, I was a, I was a B status until I uh, started my new career. I had to drop the CR, and then right. now it's just like. A well, no, no, but, but they, they just they just go they just rank the seniority on the um, the leads. A is the highest seniority, oh, yeah, like Jerry, Jerry York, yeah, and then Jerry was the A. Lead. Then a B was Scott Nelson for a while. Yeah. C was Andy McGuire. They would just go down on the well, seniority list. Andy McGuire. Even, I think I was gone before Andy McGuire made. Yeah, I remember Scott Nelson on the canoes, and uh, he always seemed to get costumes that were way too form-fitting for him. So it, 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 he looked kind of like a Keebler, a brown Keebler elf in like <laughs> like tight hot pants. It was uh, it was a little distracting. Um, so no, I, I just had to ask because on a serious note, which I try to avoid, um, you know, what were the challenge? What were the challenges on the jungle lead side from? You know, obviously you you have to you know not kill people. Well, but short of that, what else? What was the real you know? Uh, for example, you know I got separated from my peers, so now all of a sudden I, I'm in charge of them. Yeah. And now I've got to come in and I got to put them where I think they need to you know in the position that they're going to do best. Partner them up, make sure they know the rotations, which was really difficult. After training some cast members, I was severely insulted. When one of my trainees, six months after I trained her, came up and said, I don't know who my boat partner is. Yeah, and uh, I yelled at her and I made her cry on stage. I, I actually was a little bit proud of that. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. It's always good to make a like, oh my cry God. on stage. Was I that horrible of a trainer? I taught, I taught you. And uh, You know who had the best system for training rotations was Kaz? Because she had uh, Lego boats and Lego, like little mini Lego people with different colored hats. And she would put a little number on top, and she would explain it with Legos, with physical rotations, and it, it was the easiest way to learn it. Yeah, I thought one, two, three, four was like run with shapes and colors. And well, you would think that, but you know. Uh, have you no, seen? No, you're, this was before the, the the cast deployment came around, and that was really destructive. When they, they first came out with that, they were like, "Is that still going on?" Everywhere but jungle. Yeah, they just make it work there. There's, there's no physical rotation, way to do it, and it was horrifying. I was. Yeah, there is no physical way to use cast deployment no. in the jungle. 
Absolutely not. I don't, do they have? I'm do so they even glad. have the computer yeah, there? Yeah, punch in and it gives the, you an optimized task. Yeah, the, the, the computer is still there to log your breaks and lunches so they don't get their asses sued. Um, but it's really not used in the day-to-day operations. I'm sure it's changed. Like you clock in at the attraction now. Yeah, right? yeah, you, yeah. You clock in at the attraction, so you really don't have. You still have your walk time out, but there's not the the pre-clock in thing. They actually yeah. want to know when you were physically at your attraction. I mean, granted, this is five years old knowledge on my part, but I assume it's, you know. It's not gotten any better. Yeah. Hey, just the idea that they came around. I remember when they when they deployed cast deployment at Jungle, and, like, they tried it for, like, a hot month. Uh. And, and, then it, and then they were just like, you know yeah, what, what we we're going to we say the, we're doing this, but we're running rotations. Those are what we call the dead, the dead zone. The, uh, I couldn't even imagine trying to implement that. I remember just being pissed off in the boat. I'd been in the boat for... You know, two and a half hours in the boat. Yeah. In the boat. Yeah. <laughs> for two and a half hours. And you had to pump for, some bills, is what I'm saying. People yeah. who don't know what it means to work at Jungle, that is two and a half hours straight of talking. And with no breaks. It's uh, 6, 12, 18. No, 15 trips. 15 to 16 trips. It's 15 trips. And to. to to do that at a time when cast deployment wasn't perfected and they didn't know how to get people to, to bump through right and to, and to get people breaks properly it was just I mean okay so like the United States is structured in a way in which a single state can do an experiment to see if that's, that, that experiment works for that state and then if other states like that idea they can try it too until you get enough states to say this is a good idea that you try to do it everywhere. That's not how Disney operates. They don't they don't just try something at a single attraction and say, let's see if this works. They literally do it everywhere, all at once, regardless of whether or not it's going to work well, or not. And, and I love that they'll justify it. Well, we've done this in Orlando for a while. And it's like, yeah, yeah but Orlando is really not the same animal of, uh, operation-wise. Well, all their data from Orlando said that it didn't work at Jungle Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's how I saw it. Hey... These guys are getting a 15-minute break every hour. we got to put an end to this. Yeah. yeah. All we owe them for California law is two breaks and a lunch for an eight-hour shift. Which is stupid because that extra... T- and let's say it's a 10-minute extra break per hour even. When you're talking for 40 minutes or 30 minutes per yeah. hour, it tears your throat up. Yeah. Well, and this is where they completely dropped off the guest uh, the guest satisfaction. I mean, they, they were going all about counts. We're going to... John, you remember... George, nine boats. Yeah. Nine boats. We're going to run six and a half minute trips before they put governors on all the boats. We're not going to have a derail. We're going to run nine boats. We're going to be pumping people through here, and you just go as fast as you can. That's all they cared about was the counts. They didn't care about guest satisfaction. Well, and, if, you got a count, if you got a compliment, great. As long as there's no complaints and we, we had the, the turnstile numbers come up, they were happy. And Jungle is not one of those attractions that's going to pull. No, it's like canoes. It's like you, you can only have so many people through and, and please everybody. It was... Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think Jungle, I mean, one of the things I've, I've been cautioned not to talk about is actual numbers. Uh, just, you know... People who I know who know legal who know that they listen to the show, um, but you know, it, Jungle on a good hour might pull half of Indy or or Mansion on a great hour, and they were pushing to try to get us up to the same kind of numbers, and it's just never going to work. No, uh, there was a time where they wanted two thousand per hour. Well, and this it is was absolutely out of out of the question. This is what you reap when you promote when you don't promote people, right? This is what you reap when you hire people yeah, from Black Angus. Oh. Well, let's talk about um, let's talk about our our period when we hired in John. They needed to open DCA. They needed cast members. Unemployment was at pretty much an all time low yep. in Orange County. We need to get whoever we can. I remember that. Why don't we send out letters to annual pass holders and people that we fired? Yeah. And get them to come back to work for us. They they hired back cast members that were fired for stealing from other cast members that were stealing out of uh, girls' purses and out of the lockers. They hired them back, and they, they took uh, 
people that were annual pass holders that had been applying for work that you know you had to wait six months in between applications. There was one guy at Pirates that they hired. Unbelievable. He had applied for six years, every six months to the day. And they said no. They, they wouldn't put him in, a, they wouldn't give him a pan for a custodial. They wouldn't put him in costuming. They wouldn't hire him anyway. All of a sudden, they've got a demand for employees. Yep. What do you want at work? Well, Pirates of the Caribbean is my favorite ride. Pirates it shall be. <laughs> I, what happens later? Safeties. Guests getting hurt. There, there was a there was a boat dispatch where a, an elderly disabled woman was thrown over backwards two rows because the boat was dispatched as she stood up and tried to exit the the attraction. Yeah, that where was an we, awful period. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, but now you have the opposite side where you know at one point they were getting an application for every two or three jobs they had. Yeah. Now they're getting 60 to 100 applications for every open job. Which is how it was and in the old days. And yeah. that's what you want. You want the best people yeah. you can draw. Except well, in that period where they were getting two to three applications for every one open position, or uh, for one application for every two or three open positions, they were able to reduce the quality of pay. They were able to reduce the quality yeah. of, of yeah. benefits all the way down. And now that we're in this financial crisis, I'm sure that they're not increasing any of those benefits. So now you've got this multinational, billion-dollar, Forbes 500 corporation that's essentially screwing people out of fair wages. I have no doubt in my mind, and this is all based on faith, I have no evidence to corroborate this, but if there's one thing I know based on my experience with Disney, if there's a way that they can fuck you in the ass, they will do it without lube. That is my favorite ride in Epcot. (laughs) (laughs) The... uh, uh, well, with Lou, let's be honest. Um, so let, let's just look at the math of it. Let's, let's go back to our Lone Ranger movie, the write-off on that. If you didn't lose money or didn't make a movie that's going to lose 120 or $150 million, you could lower the ticket price to Disneyland by $11.70. That's what it worked out to for the number of guests they had versus the, the write-off on the movie. It was... <coughs> That's certainly not going to happen. No, no. <laughs> well, they're not. They're not there to well, let, uh, let, not make money. John, do you know what it costs to go to to, to Disneyland? For oh, one I have day? no idea. I was sure just like hundred bucks. Park, park Hopper, hundred and seventeen. Jesus. Single day Park Hopper. So, so here, here's. here's and, and it was it was thirty or thirty uh, thirty seven when you it was guys under under fifty dollars when we worked there. Oh, well, yeah. it was under it was forty eight in two thousand three. Yeah. So, so here's the thing: Disneyland is like oil prices. Right. Once they condition you to accept, to accept the new oil prices, yep, yeah. it'll never go down. You'll ne- it'll never go down, and it's the same thing with Disney. Once they've conditioned you to believe that what they're offering is worth a certain amount of money, uh, and people are, and they and they have established that people are willing to pay for it, the price will never go down. So if you're listening to this right now, the best thing you can do is to not go to Disneyland for the next thirty years. Don't go to Disneyland. I. I'm serious. Do not go there. And those prices will drop. And they don't have anything there that's really that yeah. great. But the what they have is shapes and colors. And you know where you can get shapes and colors? TV. The, uh, the last attraction, new attraction to go in, was Indiana Jones in 95. The, the last in, original in, attraction. Last original attraction. We're not counting Autopia, which you know. Yeah, Autopia. Yeah. We're talking Tarzan Star Tours, Treehouse, which Star I Tours, know. Star Tours, too. The last thing they put real money in, other than California Adventure, was Indiana Jones. Look, let's be real. Well, when was Indiana Jones built? 1995. 1995 is when it was built. 1995. It is... 40th anniversary. 2003. You get a car every 10 years. Right? <laughs> like, you purchase... The, they retired the space shuttle. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Hey, Jurassic Park came out 20 years ago this last month. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a while. They can, they can afford to put some money Here, into that. Here's the numbers that they're looking at, though. Attendance is up. Yep. Profits are up. There's no reason to reduce any prices. They have so, a payment plan. And attendance is way up. So if you want a new Disney attraction, stop going to Disneyland. Stop going. That's logical. <laughs> Sad logic. If you want something new, we've all got to stop going there. I haven't been there for 10 years. I think what happens is a lot of people buy the annual pass thinking, oh, we're going to, you know, when you average it out, if we come here 12 times a year, you know, it's, it's, uh, it makes sense. It's only $30, $40 a trip instead of $120 for going one day. But then you go and it's so overcrowded. 
you don't want to go back. Yeah. They pocket your money. You're done. To be to be fair, I haven't paid for a ticket to get into Disneyland since 15 well, yeah, years. If you can get it for free, by by all means, go and make sure you eat lunch at McDonald's across the way. But uh, do, just don't spend your money there. If yeah. you want new things to happen. And granted, there's a lot of good new stuff going on at, at California Adventure, I hear. Yeah. So go spend your money there. Spend your money well, at California Adventure. But it's still Adventure. going in the same funnel. Or Trader Sam's or whatever. It goes in the same funnel and they, gets effectively the same place. But they know where the money's coming from. If, if, yeah. if, you were, if people were to abandon the Magic Kingdom and only go to California Adventure, sure. they would be able to... Uh, at least glean from that that people want new things. The problem is with that is they're getting the first click already. The way they work things out is if you have an annual pass holder that has the park hopper, you know, they go to DCA first because they want to get on the new cars ride. They get the first click. And, uh, when they go back over to park hop, over to Disneyland, it doesn't count. So the counts are all going to DCA. It's a smaller park by square footage. They're getting more numbers per square footage. All right, well, then the issue is, is that it, Disneyland has the nostalgia factor, right? Yeah. So you've got all the baby boomers who aren't dead yet that remember what it was like to go to Disneyland when it opened. Uh, and they have all these great memories. They remember taking their kids there. Now they want to take their grandkids there. Their kids remember going there. They want to share their favorite rides with the kids. Uh, and maybe there's value to that. Maybe there's there's real value to these classic attractions. Lord knows when some like when, when things close, people do treat it like it's a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, because people like building those memories and those well, things. Well, but not that like they've gone on there, supported the merchandise. Because Country Bears, you know, it was such a hot property that you know. Look, was, if uh, I was going to sell you a '93 <laughs> Datsun, you probably wouldn't pay 117 dollars. Yep. For a car. Well, from 93, why would you pay $117 to go on a ride from 1957? Well, and the, the, what it comes down to is that nostalgia is the best religion. And what Disney is, is creating, and, and I say this from the viewpoint of someone who actually, for the most part, I, I have positive feelings about the company and about the park. There are idiot things that every company does, but in general, I, I think it's, it's not you know an evil empire. I think it's just a stupid empire. Um, but nostalgia is the best religion. And what Disney is creating is in some ways more akin to a cult or a religion than it is an entertainment experience. And it's, it's not necessarily, you know, I have to hedge myself because I don't know how many listeners are, are. But if you take a look at the people who are going and who were pin traders or vinylmation collectors or whatever it is, there's a fanaticism there oh, yeah, that there supports is. it. When you, have, when you have eight out of ten kids under the age of ten have Disney in their bedrooms. I wonder who the other two out of ten were and how the hell they've avoided it. Absolutely. Well, well, their parents are hipsters. Yeah, I mean, they're. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, there's saturation and penetration is just unlike anything that's ever been seen, and the only thing it can evolve to over time in time is a religion. Well, look at what's happening now. They're buying up. They're buying up Marvel. They're buying Star yep. Tours. They're trying to buy other people's properties instead of carrying on their own legacy. Yeah, but their own well, legacy. Because they has... know that they don't have any creativity left. Yeah. Exactly. They're having to buy someone else's creativity, and eventually, it's going to run out. Look, this is, it's, it's imperialism, plain and simple, right? So when the British decided that there wasn't enough good stuff in Britain, they went elsewhere to get those people's good stuff. And sure. that's what's going on with Disney. Well, it's, and just it's an empire. And just like Pixar, where, you know, but, where with England, it diluted the, the brand message of the English monarchy, Pixar has been diluted by the Disney message, where you have pieces of tripe, like planes... Well, Which makes no sense at all in any universe. And this is where I don't understand how you can take the position that it's not an evil company, it's a stupid company. Because the fact of the matter is is that Empire is always evil. Because Empire seeks to enrich itself at the expense of others. And Disney is about Empire. And that, that's fine, but let's not kid ourselves. When you are about Empire, you're not about quality anymore. You're about profit. And yeah. the best way to create profit is to dilute quality. And when you dilute quality... You take away from people who previously enjoyed quality in order to line your own pockets. Oh, sure. And that's evil. Well, I, I don't necessarily think that profit is evil because there's still a choice on the end of the, the consumer side. But there's not. There's, when, when you create empire and Disney takes... So Disney owns all so of you're Disney because Disney Star owns Wars all of all that. Marvel. Yeah. Disney owns Star Wars. When there's, there's no longer competition, you know... Uh, at what point will Disney be powerful enough to, to buy Universal and Harry Potter? 
and these sorts of things. You know, that's the goal. The goal is not to have competing interests driving. You know, their goal is not capitalism. Their goal is anti-capitalism, anti-competition, and and we're all going to suffer for that. The most serious moment in two years, everyone. <laughs> uh, your debate skills are are stellar. I want you to know that I I think your students are. Uh... So. Getting back to how so how I may lead over you. So, <laughs> so you know we used to look at pretty girls on the Jungle Cruise. So this is really funny. They uh, before they had interest in me as a leader trainer. I said, "Hey Joey, you're really good with guests." Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> right, John. Yeah, you were definitely. We good want to with make guests. you an area greeter. Oh God, area oh, greeter. Area greeter. Oh, I wanted that so bad. Oh, please, I love please, my area greeter. Please time. tell me what this entails. I love uh, my area greeter. Time. So walk uh, around handing out fast so, pass. Here's your radio. Here's your pin trading lanyard. Here's your book of NSAs. Go make the magic. I said okay. Off goes the radio. Here's my book of passes. And uh, yeah, the world was mine. And then of course they didn't have a Main Street area greeter. Because there was no one that really worked for the street that they wanted. So I ended up pulling double shift for an entire summer, 16 hours a day, wandering the park doing whatever the hell I wanted. And it was awesome. I, I, uh, I clicked <laughs> off my radio, and then uh, one day, this was awesome, the Toontown area greeter ran all the way from Toontown into Adventureland. <laughs> there you are. What's up? I can't get you on the radio. What's the emergency? What could possibly be going on between Toontown and Adventureland? We want to meet for lunch. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, it, was, it, was, it, was just, uh, it was just my own world for a whole summer. And I ma- never made that much overtime doing absolutely nothing. I went oh. and changed costumes. And, and I, miss, I, and I, miss, the, I miss the overtime. The overtime was great. The summer. Yeah, there was so much of it. And that, it, I, from what I hear, it's, it's all gone. dried it's up. zero now. Um, so then they're like, wow, this guy, you know, he, uh, he's so great at guest interaction. Let's make him a, a trainer and a lead and all that. And I'm like, wow, I... So I didn't really, really think that I basically just hid in the shadows. I was just like uh, hanging out with my friends at the at the rides in the in the backstage areas and just exploring the park. And so, because and, you uh, tried to personally advance your own pleasure, you ended up screwing yourself in the long run because you were too good at it. Is what you're saying? Because no, you, you were enjoying it so much. They only did it for the summer. Then they dropped off because okay. of the off season, which no longer exists. There is no off season. Yeah. So there I no became spoon. a lead, and you know all that. And then I went to boats and pirates. I made that my preference, and I took uh, enjoying myself over uh, being stuck behind the, the can we, desk. Can we be real? If your ride at Disneyland, if you work at Disneyland and you work on attractions, and your ride does not in some way involve water, you've made a terrible mistake. How am I supposed to pee on it? <laughs> because that's one thing that Brent taught me. Oh yeah, you got to pee in the river. Water, if your ride has water, you have to pee on it. I peed on the squirter. I peed off the top of Schweitzer Falls. I peed everywhere. Yeah, I peed you all get, over that place. You got to think that uh, Small World becomes really different when you think about it in that context. Nah, thankfully I never had to go up there. <laughs> it's 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 like they have that uh, they have that memorial in Washington, the Navy Memorial in Washington D.C. that has water from all the seven seas in it. Basically, the rivers of America has yeah. water from all the cash numbers in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the rivers of America. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, we can hit any other big, fun, exciting story. I want to tell a story. You can tell stories. I want to. I want to tell a story about management and competence, and I want to name names. We're. We're. I'm. I'm fine with that. Awesome. So, my favorite story of all time, and I love telling this story because I like the fact that I worked for people that I believe maybe were not as smart as me, and. That begs so many questions. So what happens is one day I'm I'm bumping. I think it was Adam Tyler. In fact, I I I want to say it was Adam Tyler. I'm not sure. Perhaps Adam Tyler can corroborate this story. Sure. Maybe Adam Tyler told this story. So I'm I'm bumping this dude out of the boat, possibly Adam Tyler, and I get in the boat and he throws the boat into forward gear and walks away from the the throttle and. I start running up to the boat, you know, up to the up to the, up to the throttle to, to throw it into reverse to stop. 
and I don't get there in time, and I smack into the back of the boat at load. And so there's this big thud, you know, it's just boom. And of course what happens is everyone on the dock looks over at the boom, sees me at the throttle, and says, John Patrick hit the boat. And uh, I'm going to be honest, you may have been able to tell from my tone here tonight that I was one of the employees that management wanted to fire. And they probably were correct to want to fire me. In fact, that was probably the smartest thing that they did that whole time that I worked there was decide that I was not to be uh, trusted or to remain employed. And uh, I'll give them that. They were smart enough to know that I was unhappy there. What they weren't smart enough to do was to encourage me to leave of my own accord. And that, I think, is a major failure of the Disney system. Every time that I was about to quit, one of them would step in and convince me to stay. Which is just like, if you know that someone's miserable, let, let them go. If you are ever a manager and you know that one of your employees is miserable and they're about to leave, shut up. Let them quit. Do not interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake, right? I think it was the Sun Tzu. Yeah, Sun Tzu. Well, problem is they get they get info from the bean counters back in the big yellow and green building. You know how much it costs to train a new cast member? What if they don't work out? Don't give it to anybody. Yeah. And there was a lot of problems. Yeah, there's a lot there of problems. There were a lot of cast members that should have been let go that said, I don't like it here, I don't want to be here. And, no, no, please. Yeah. So, so I, the boom happens, everyone sees me in the boat, we all have to write up statements. I write up my statement stating what I happened, what I just recently said, right? I, I got in the boat, it was already in forward throttle, I was actually trying to stop the boat. Uh, and so, the end of the day comes around and they're like, well, you need to go up and you're getting a written warning because you bumped the boat. And I was like, well, I didn't bump the boat. And they're like, well, that's not what most of the statements said. And I was like, I want to I want to talk to a union rep. And they're like, okay, we'll get you Bob. And I was like, look, I love Bob, but that's not the union rep I want. I want Mike Wheat. And so they're like, well, Mike's not here today. And I was like, I will not accept any other union rep other than Mike Wheat. Mike Wheat has to be here for this, or I'm not, or I'm not signing. And they're like, well, you have to sign it. Or else we're gonna, uh, or else you can be terminated. But we can, you can, you can challenge it, and we can talk about it later. It's like, fine, I'll sign it. But I want to talk about this with Mike Lee. And so I sign it. The next day, I get called up. Mike's there, and it's Cindy Laverini and Todd Chancy, and they're like explaining to me about how the vast majority of the statements said that I was at the throttle, and, and so we have to give you this written. And I was at a stage where, like, you know, after that written, if I did anything else wrong, they were just going to fire me. And I, at the time, didn't have the courage to leave of my own accord, which was my bad. And uh, I, I wish that at that moment, really, I wish that, that Todd or Cindy had really just sat me down and been like, look, we know you're not happy here. And instead of trying to fire me, they probably could have gotten me to quit that day. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but then there's the whole, like, coercion thing. No, they, I mean, they wouldn't even have to co- coerce me. Well, I'm saying from the legal side to come back and say, no, no, I was coerced to leave. I, there's no yeah. way I would have done that. They literally could have just sat me down yeah. and been like, I'm we're not going to... I'm sorry, as far as the legal process of it. Yeah, but it wouldn't even, they wouldn't even have to coerce me. They really would have just had to sit me down and be like, we notice you're not happy. Are you sure this is the right job for you? Maybe you want to take a couple weeks and find something new so that you can go be happy. And that probably would have been enough. Yep. But anyway, long story short, they're explaining to me, well, we have to give you this written because most of the statements say this. And I was like, well, what do you mean by most? Do you mean all but mine? Or did anyone else say that I wasn't at the, at the throttle? And they were like, well, there was one other statement that said that you weren't at the throttle. And I was like, okay, so who wrote that statement? Was it the person that put the vote into forward gear? And Todd looks at Cindy, and Cindy looks at Todd, and they, and they turn back to me like, we need to leave the room and discuss something for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and so they wander out of the room, and I look at Mike, and Mike looks at me, and, and I just start laughing. Because I know that they didn't, they didn't consider that. And uh, they come back in the room, and they say, we're rescinding your written. <laughs> and, uh, and just, we're going to let you off with a warning. Yeah. A verbal? No, no, just a warning. Yeah, just a warning. Not even going to be on your record. An unofficial warning. Thanks, officer. And uh, we're going to give the other person that was involved a warning as well. A good talking to. A good talking to. And and that was the end of that. And and that, that to me, the reason I share this story, is that to me is emblematic of what it means to work at Disneyland. Uh, 
you work for people who don't think things through. You work, for, and this goes back to what you say. It's a dumb company. Yeah. You you work for a company that doesn't think things through. You work for a company that promotes people that are loyal instead of smart. Uh, and and I would like to I, I would like to think that both Todd and Cindy in, in another environment would be smart. Yeah. I would like to think that in a situation where their job security wasn't on the line, uh, where they could work for a company that they could trust. Uh, to be smart, I, I was I was told at one point that if we had good employees, we couldn't afford to keep the park open. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that I think is like if you're thinking about working there, that's that's the crux of it. Now, having said that, I actually think people should work there for like a summer, like when you're getting out of high school, Dude, six months, that's and yeah, then get the hell out. Because, that's what they want, though. Well, but that's but, why the scale is is based well, right. the way it is. You're not there to make money; you're there for the experience. Yeah. And off down the road, you go. You can't make a career out of working there. Well, and, and the problem the is problem. the people who want to make a career who've been there so long eventually are going to get enough dings in the system or they're going to be in a position where they're going to get um, uh, termed out because they're making 19 or 20 or 25 bucks well, an hour. They do anything they can to get rid of them. But they, can't, they can't just get rid of them because they've been there for so long. Yeah. They do anything they possibly can to get rid of them. Yeah, they, no. uh, we know that they don't want people draining the, the high dollars off the system. There, there's a small handful of cast members that are still there that were there when I was there. Oh, yeah. Well, and even the people who've been there longer since the 80s who are still there, they're doing well money-wise, but they're the only ones that can afford this. Yeah, I know. To, well, they, they, they were grandfathered in, like the CR20s, like Randy. I mean, they, those things are long gone. Nobody that works there now has any clue what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but God forbid that guy gives up his 20 hours because he's getting benefits. It's tough. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, we don't know. We uh, had a little bathroom break there, so we're not sure we edited it out. Uh, I made the comment as we came back that uh, Pirates has become no fun anymore since the Bustiers were taken out. Uh, and now they have... They don't, it doesn't show off cleavage. Let's put it that way. It goes over the top of the breasts. Oh. So the female cast members... Because even women who were maybe either a little overweight and who had some extra cleavage would look great in that costume. And now no one looks good in the pirate's costume. Well, look at the Tiki. The tiki costume has changed from uh, a button-up shirt and pants for male or female versus the, the, the bright neon orange dress. Yeah. The girls I look versus the, the white pants like the Don... The Don Johnson pants and the... <laughs> I, I look so bad in that orange dress. I can't tell you how... It was always the worst costume for it's, me. It, so. Yeah, the costuming's changing. Like, the costuming at, uh, like at DCA, the new stuff they're doing is fantastic, but some of the stuff they've done recently is like, wow, really? I am so happy. Uh, one of the, the places that's worth going to, uh, definitely Trader Sam's, the Tiki Bar. Yeah, I've been there. That's cool. Yeah, Trader Sam's cool. They made a good decision and got the servers out of the Jungle Cruise costumes. Um, they still wear the jungle coats during the winter, but they they no longer wear the jungle shirts. Because that was a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. That well, we it's were like, like in the full indie costume when we were there. It was like, oh, yeah. jungle and indie yeah. are tied together. So you wear the, the indie coat and you wear the indie hat. I, I wore and possibly still have in a closet somewhere the uh, the indie GC jacket, the, the light tan explorer's coat. There's so. a lot of things I might possibly still have. <laughs> I... I'm just not it's, sure. It's alleged. I, yeah. You know, I, there's a lot of things that I've been alleged to have, but I don't I don't think I do. Yeah. I, you know, I actually own a Space Mountain Rocket for a while. What? Space Mountain Rocket? I, I bought it on eBay. and uh, Like one of the old uh, poster cards? It was the original. I paid $4,000 for it. It was number three, the front card. Holy shit. I owned it for like six years, and I finally sold it because I, I needed the garage space. To a, to a private collector who had, like, one of everything. He had a Pirates of the Caribbean boat. Oh, he had a people mover car. A did did, did you make some profit everything. on it? No, I lost money on it, unfortunately, because the market didn't bear. If I would have held on to it for a while longer, I could have sold, but the, sold it for more because I know the Matterhorn bobsleds, the old ones, have just yeah, gone on market for a ridiculous amount But of the, the question is, did you... Did you ever get any action because you said to a girl, do you want to see my rocket? I'll let you polish it. <laughs> no. No, at the time I was Jesus. married, so there was no... Uh... John, do me a favor. Can you go kill these guys behind you? <laughs> you have the influence here. I don't, I, my influence left when Brent left. Yeah. Uh, I have... Uh, is that a partner's debit card? Partners? Oh, yeah. I still have my partner's debit card. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick my uh, Finding Nemo card back in the wallet then. <laughs> I apologize. I have seven in bills or I have... Uh, just, just candy money. Okay. 
Yeah, that's not All too right. bad. I had a you can let him figure it out. Um, whatever you think you owe, I'm going to take from you. Yeah, no, I, I really think that uh, if you were to use the, the the Space Mountain rocket as a pickup line, yeah. there's all kinds of great things you can say. Yeah, I know. Baby, do you want to see the universe, you know, <laughs> play with my rocket? No, I, like, I married, uh, I married a, a girl that I met while I was working at the park. I was at Treehouse one night, and she was an annual pass holder. Her sister came... And uh, they were there every Friday night. And so after so many visits, we exchanged numbers and all that. And uh, I became single. We started dating. And uh, things went on from there. And now we're married. We have two kids. She w- she actually went to work for the park in Circle D. So uh, that Ad- was really cool. Adam, Adam, Adam Tyler, of the course. I that I, that I that I met at the park. Yeah, you, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, there, there's pluses and minuses for dating where you work. I mean... Well, I think that the biggest thing was just not dating your own attraction. Yeah. Because you don't want to see someone that much. That happened to me. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's that happened to all of us. John, yeah. John has a real good story about that. <laughs> when, 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 she, when you and her broke up and like you were hanging out at my house? Yeah. Oh, my God, God back in that, the day? That's when I, uh, I was like, wow, John Patrick's mother should be like a relationship uh, a psychotherapist. <laughs> Basically... Joey, Joey broke up with his girlfriend, and she, they were they were living together, and he and I were hanging out, and like that's when I still lived at home, and uh, <laughs> we were hanging out playing video games or something, and and she called, and he was like, oh, I gotta go home. She's calling me, and and I was like, what the hell? Why do you need to leave? You broke up, and you were like, I don't know, man. I just gotta go. And my mom was like, Fuck that. No, she said, Fuck that bitch. <laughs> So I was like, wow, You're staying here best, tonight. That is the best advice I think I've ever gotten. <laughs> yeah, my mom's pretty rad. Uh, Shout out to my mom, who will never listen to this because she doesn't really know how to work the podcast. Or so, yeah, my mom computers really. I'm glad she doesn't because I don't want her to. I don't want her to know my deep dark secrets of internet shame. <laughs> so like being the lead, like uh, uh, going. And thanks way, for going back to that. I appreciate yeah, going it. way back to where that segue. Um, so I knew it was something. Separating, so. separating from where we, uh, you know, being from up here to all of a sudden being in charge. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got all these uh, cast members that hired in a year after I did, and they are like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed eighteen-year-olds that are sticking uh, plant leaves in their hats, and they want to dance around and flip around and have a good old time. And I'm worried about safety. I'm worried about the ride operating correctly. And when you have unloaders that are shoving each other into crates that are filled with black widows, that's not really conducive to <laughs> the operation of the attraction. So, uh, you know, there was one day I was, I was uh, checking in. I was the night lead for, for the summer. And uh, Adam Rotella comes up. And, you know, they're, all of us are all gathered around. And he's like, hey, Joey, what, what about this and this? And I said, well, what about what, about what Adam? And he says, no, no, I'm talking about, I'm referring to the funny Joey. And I said, wow, that's interesting. You want to know something funny, Adam? You're working front load. <laughs> that's the way it had to be, though. I mean, it was... Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to be in that wacky, silly gang, but at the same time, no, I didn't, because it was a little... Couldn't. No, that no, wasn't once, me. Once you get that tap on the shoulder, you know, you, you leave the realm of mortal man yeah. uh, and become something entirely different. Uh, and I love Adam. And I listened to the, the podcast you did with him and Mike Robles, and that was really uh, that was really something. <laughs> well, Mike and, Mike and I had a lot of good times together. He's a really good guy. Yeah, Mike's great. He's been on a couple times on the show, so he, he was my first two-time guest. Yeah, uh, I, I hate that he two-timed me, but what can you do? Um, yeah, no, no, we're you know it was a good it was a good sit down with them, and we'll see if there's an extra episode with Matt Neary. Uh, Mike and Adam that we taped after the first the first like two hours. Um, Matt shows up and he uh, says, "Oh, we should go. We should talk some more." And Adam Rotella may have had six beers at that point. Nice. And I think that he had three gin and tonics at the uh, next place we went to. And the extra bonus episode has devolved into a very painful experience to listen to. So I'm not sure if it'll ever see the light of day, but if it does, it's going to be. Well, I wouldn't Heavily be surprised edited. if that happened here because I came to this bar at 2 p.m. 
<laughs> and just waited it out when I got off of work. Hey, that's that's fine. I wish you would have told me. <laughs> yeah. I should have. I, I I just been hanging in Orange County all day today. The uh, I really have a belief that it's 11 a.m. somewhere. Uh, so that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the important thing is to start drinking early and well. Because I don't drinking look, early and often. I don't look at myself as an alcoholic, more as a professional drinker. You know, someone's got to do it right. Really hold a high standard for everyone else. Well, yeah. I mean, like uh, Christina and Allison, in their episode, they were talking about my 21st birthday at uh, TGI Fridays where I puked blue all over the bathroom because <laughs> they were buying me stoplights. And uh, those days are long gone. I've you know, <laughs> become a professional drinker. I can handle it now. So that's uh, one benefit of getting old is you know when to cut it off. They, uh, that, that episode with those two ladies... Uh, for a very long time, like a year and a half, was my number one. Yeah, they they, they can hold the guy's attention even just over the uh, the podcast. So Christine is who I gave my bush hat to. Hey, you know that kind I, of personal thing is really I is wish, that a euphemism? I don't know. No, that. no. Oh, I uh, I got my I got Didn't my bush hat. I give my bush hat to her. <laughs> no, my bush hat came from one of my personal favorite skippers, and I I, I met him working a treehouse. Uh, Lynn Kuhn. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Lynn. I'm not a fucking comedian. <laughs> Lynn, this was his, uh, this was his load spiel. And this was his unload spiel. Yeah, once again, this is a podcast. People can't see it. So, basically, <laughs> there was no, no verbal, uh, acknowledgement of the guests in the boat or anything. And the, that guy was terrific. He, uh, he had worked in the park for a long time, and he had... No issues with anybody or anything. He was really easy to get along with. Um, he was just like one of my heroes, like an old school jungle skipper. Like I remembered as a kid going on the ride when I was 10 years old, like, wow, the shorts and the bush hat. And like, yeah, this is jungle cruise. He would literally walk up to that guy and be like, Lynn, why don't you tell jokes? And he would look you square in the eye and say, you're not a fucking comedian. <laughs> and that was like... That was the magic of Lynn. Uh, he would give us the straight National Geographic. Yeah. Over there, we have a Bengal tiger. 1955. A very dangerous animal. I've got a I've got a skip that I'm I uh, met for the first time in person on Saturday. Uh, a guy by the name of Larry Camel. Oh wow. And Larry, do you know Larry? I have, well, I've read about him in the books. Yeah. Now Larry is. In the generation before narrations, he's probably the linchpin of everything that happened in that time. I, I, I don't know that he could say he was the Jerry York of that generation, but he definitely holds us. But it was great meeting him this last week. Um, like I said, I, I taped with, uh, it'll be up before this ever comes out, but uh, about 100 old Jungle Cruise skippers. So it was a hell of a party. Man, it was a good time. Um, that is one of the things about working at Disneyland is that you will work. It's just such a shared experience that you'll you'll make friends and you'll make friends with good people, and there'll be a bunch of people there that you don't ever want to see again. But yeah, <laughs> there will be a few. True. But the good news is you don't have to. Even with Facebook, yeah. you can hit no. Yeah, you will work with people that, that that you will try to stay friends with, even if it's only you see each other once every few years. Yep, we'll try to catch up for the rest of your life. Yep. Uh, truer words have never been said. So speaking of which, we're kind of hitting the end of our timeline here. Anything else you guys want to give a shout-out to or any, uh, any last-minute stories, anything you want to throw in for posterity before we hang it up? I just want to say that if, uh, if you worked on Jungle with me when I was going out with Brenna and you were female and you wanted to have sex with me, sorry that I was not single. Uh, if I if you if you notice ever that I'm single, you should hit me up. <laughs> That's John Patrick at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, okay, how do you how do you top that, Joey? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say if you were ever John Patrick's boat partner. <laughs> Is feel, that a euphemism? Feel feel honored that he uh, left you in the boat all day because I guarantee you you deserved it. <laughs> Uh, uh, King of Jungle Justice. All right, guys. Well, thanks a bunch. Uh, as always, uh, check us out on Facebook and all that stuff. I'll throw it in later. So, uh, Kungaloosh, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us for the last two years, and we'll see you again next week.